Let us pray. Loving God, help us to hear your holy word with open hearts so that we may truly understand and understanding that we may believe and believing that we may follow in faithfulness and obedience, seeking your honor and glory in all that we do. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Today's uh, Old Testament reading comes from the book of Isaiah, chapter 12. Listen for the word of the Lord. You will say on that day, I will give, you, I will give thanks to you, O Lord, for though you were angry with me, your anger turned away, and you comforted me. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and I will not be afraid, for the Lord is my strength and my might. He has become my salvation. With joy, you will draw water from the wells of salvation, and you will say on that day, give thanks to the Lord, call on his name, make known his deeds among the nations, proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing praises to the Lord, for he has done glorious things. Let his name, let, let this be known in all the earth. Shout loud and sing for joy, O royal Zion, for great in your midst is the Holy One of Israel. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Good morning. The gospel reading uh, this morning comes from Luke chapter 21, verses 5 through 19. Listen for the word of the Lord. When some were speaking about the temple, how it was adorned with beautiful stones and gifts dedicated to God, he said, as for these things you see, the days will come when not one stone will be left upon another. All will be thrown down. They asked him, teacher, when will this be? And what will the sign that this is about to take place? And he said, beware that you are not led astray, for many will come in my name and say, I am he, and the time is near. Do not go after them. When you hear of wars and insurrections, do not be terrified, for these things must take place first but the end will not follow immediately. Then he said to them, nation will rise against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and in various places, famines and plagues, and there will be dreadful portents and great signs from heaven. But before this all occurs, they will arrest you and persecute you. They will hand you over to the synagogues and prisons and you will be brought before kings and governors because of my name. This will give you an opportunity to testify. So make up your minds not to prepare your defense in advance, for I will give you words and a wisdom that none of your opponents will be able to withstand or contradict. You will be betrayed even by parents and brothers, by relatives and friends, and they will put some of you to death. You will be hated 
by all because of my name. But not a hair of your head will perish. By your endurance, you will gain your souls. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Will you pray with me? Oh God, open our hearts and minds by the power of your spirit, that as your word is proclaimed, we may hear what you are saying to us today. Now let the words of your servant's mouth and the meditations of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Through Christ. Amen. The sermon title this morning is Hope in the Midst of Uncertainty. This text is a part of Jesus' end times discussion known as the Olivet Discourse. In our discourse section, Jesus predicts the destruction of the temple and the coming persecution of his followers. This dialogue can also be found in Matthew 24 and Mark 13. In the Gospel of Mark, Jesus ascends to the top of the Mount of Olives where he delivers a private sermon opposite the temple to his disciples, whereas in Luke, the discourse is in the temple to the others present, including his disciples. We find a crowd in the temple marveling over the lavish and sheer splendor of the architectural magnificence. This, of course, was the great temple of God where all hope and power resided. The first century Jewish historian Josephus wrote about the temple's grandeur, saying, The gate opening into the temple was completely overlaid with gold, as was the whole wall around it. It had above it gold vines from which hung grape clusters as tall as a man, and it had golden doors 55 cubits high and 16 broad. Before these hung a veil of equal length of Babylonian tapestry with embroidery of blue and fine linen, of scarlet also, of purple, wrought with marvelous skill. In addition to the beauty of the temple, the wealthy laid out adorning gifts of precious stones and sacred vessels offered as a sacrifice to God out of their abundance. Our text this morning follows the poor widow who gave two small copper coins as an offering to the temple, the lowest Jewish currency, but that was all that she had. She gave out of her poverty and it reflected her great faith and deep hope in God who provides. So as some marveled at the immensity of the temple and its luxurious decorations, Jesus made the unimaginable prediction that one day the visible richness of the temple they could see would be thrown down. Not one stone would be left upon another. While the disciples had seen Jesus perform Many miracles, the uncertainty of his desire prediction prompted a two-part question. How and when will we know? The Jewish listeners would have been familiar with the Old Testament prophet signs that would signal the imminent destruction or deliverance of Jerusalem, found in 2 Kings chapter 19, Isaiah 37, and in Isaiah 7. In Luke eleven twenty nine, 29, Jesus spoke about the end 
and said that there would be no sign except the sign of Jonah. But now Jesus would speak of the warning of the temple's destruction and of the persecution of his disciples preceding his second coming. Jesus warned the listeners against false hope and devotion to the limited powers in what is seen, signs of worldly success. He wanted to encourage steadfast hope in the power of God who is unseen despite what they will hear, experience, and see. Jesus spoke the difficult truth that the temple building would one day be destroyed and the difficulties the disciples of Christ would face if they lived faithfully. But through hope in Christ, in spite of great challenges and the calamity that will come their way, the glory of salvation awaited their endurance. Brothers and sisters, Christ calls us to walk in the abiding hope of his expected coming. Knowing God's power and faithfulness will lead us through even the most unexpected seasons in our faith journey. How should we respond when distress knocks at our door? How do we deal with the great uncertainty as believers? Some might even ask, why do we have to go through trials and tribulations? I thought being a Christian protected us from the tragedies of life. And aren't some situations too unrealistic for hope? Jesus gives us advice on how to walk and wait on the Lord as faithful Christians in a world of great difficulty and deterioration. First, when distress knocks, perplexes, and paralyzes us, turn to Jesus. When hardship comes our way, and it will, many voices will vie for our attention. It is easy to turn here and there and to those who will deceive us and who will often give us the answers we seek. But Jesus wants us to trust and turn to him. He warns us in verse 8, beware that you are not led astray. He said that many would come in his name and say, I am he, and the time is near. The I am refers to the many verses that represent Jesus and his messianic claim, I am the Christ. There is danger and deceit in following these people who make a messianic claim for themselves. In Acts 8, verse 10, Luke, the author of Acts, writes about the people who followed the false prophet, Simon the magician, saying, all of them, from the least to the greatest, listened to him eagerly, saying, this man is the power of God that is called great. Many of you might recall the Reverend Jim Jones in the 20th century, he led a new people's religious movement known as the People's Temple, where he was their Messiah. In 1974, he convinced many of his followers to the Jonestown Commune in Guyana that ultimately led to the Jonestown Massacre in 1978. And today, there are too many ways to be led astray by false messiahs in person or on social media. 
To be led astray is to be led into sin or false teaching. We must heed Christ's warning not to follow anyone but Christ. And as followers of Christ, it is not about escaping our anxieties or avoiding the realities of life that will come our way, but trusting in the plan of God for our lives. Yes, anxiety and fear are real and should not be glossed over, but we ought to be reminded that God's plan has not been undermined by great uncertainties, suffering, and the pain and death we will experience. Even as Christians, we must be careful with our riches, money and means in helping those who are suffering and in oppression so that we do not pervert the gospel away from the real hope that is found in Jesus. Jesus is calling us today as a body of Christ and individually to look to him because God is faithful to us. Second, when uncertainty is palpable and steamrolling our way, do not be afraid. Verses 9 through 11 speak of the terror of epic proportions, war, insurrection, and nations and kingdoms being against each other. Unspeakable fear starts first in our hearts and minds. And Christ is saying to us today, I am still in control. No matter what we hear, see, or will go through, do not be afraid. It can certainly be a great bumper sticker and on many levels can seem unrealistic. But when I think about that God's got this, I am reminded of the children's song. He's got the whole world in his hands. He is in control when the storms of life are raging. And just like he did for the disciples on the boat in Luke 8, 22 to 25, hope in Jesus can calm the fears in our lives. Jim Wilson and Roger Russell wrote a story about a man who burned down his house to kill a spider. The man spotted one in the laundry room of his West Seattle home. In order to get rid of it, he grabbed a lighter and a can of spray paint. There's no report about the fate of the spider, but the house caught fire, causing about $200,000 worth of damage. Brothers and sisters, fear can paralyze us from God's purpose and consume our hope. It was in my times of greatest distress when I realized Jesus was doing amazing work on my faith and in my life. And if you're like me, you can look back and say the same thing. And it is in that boldness of hope against fear that we can live a courageous and visionary life to change the world that is broken and falling down all around us. We will be able to work to build community with one another and seek to work for peace and justice for all of God's children. 
Not being afraid also examines the heart of the church in our devotion to a community that stands as a beacon of hope, especially to those suffering, marginalized, and oppressed. The phrase, do not be afraid for believers, is a prophetic message of hope for us to live faithfully in the here and now. Third, in the prophetic truth that trials and tribulations will come our way, Christ is molding us to speak God's truth. In a very upside-down way, God uses our difficult situations to renew us in the spirit for God's kingdom. Verse 13 says, this will give you an opportunity to testify. Hebrews chapter 10, verse 32 to 34, reminds us that through affliction and suffering, enduring the hard struggle and not abandoning our boldness, will bring us a great reward. Tertullian, a second and third century Christian apologist and theologian wrote, the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church. And in Acts chapter seven, Stephen who was martyred said during the rage of the high priests right before his stoning, look, I see the heavens opened and the son of man standing at the right hand of God. We too are and will be given the same opportunity to bear witness to our hope in Christ through our struggles. Last week, Pastor Joanna testified to how her faith in light of the resurrection was shaped in the deep struggle over the loss of her brother, my brother-in-law and friend. In Christ, Fear and hardship can turn to hope because of who Christ is for us. There's no magic formula on when or how God will use our troubled times, but Jesus will guard our hearts in words so that we can endure and see it through. And lastly, even in the crucible of adversity, there is hope when we can see no way out of the hopelessness of our situation, we can trust that Christ's love will ultimately triumph in the resurrection when Jesus will come again and make all things right. We will all come across dying and death in God's good creation, but it is not a finality. For those who haven't encountered it, Keep on living. For those who have, we are called to trust in the end and not our circumstances. In other words, there is more to the story than we can see and experience. Our ultimate hope is in the resurrection and the coming of Christ again. This is what makes us people of faith and allows us to walk in the painful joys of life. Brothers and sisters, our hope is not in what is seen, but in who can sustain us when our hearts are troubled and keep us from perishing.
the invisible, transforming power of the living God. A reality where hope endures in the green pastures of life and hardships and through the valley of the shadow of death. Where even in hopelessness, we can be assured of the greatest hope given to us. Jesus Christ living, dying on the cross at Calvary, being raised from the dead and ascending into heaven for our sake. Hope in the midst of uncertainty is an invitation for each of us to join in Christ's faithfulness, which is beyond question. An immeasurable and persevering hope where we, as the church, do not require a sign, but to look toward Jesus, our Savior. Amen.